inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. You can be entertaining, be informative, tell good stories, but what you don't want is that at the end of your talk, your audience thinks, nice, but what was your point? Today we have an awesome guest who is going to tell us about getting a point. Joel Schwarzberg is the Senior Director of Strategic and Executive Communications for a major American nonprofit, a professional speech coach since 2006, and the author of Get to the Point, Sharpen Your Message, and Make Your Words Matter. A former national champion public speaker, Joel has also written for Fast Company, Toastmaster Magazine, and the New York Times Magazine. Hello, Joel. Hello, Oscar. And you did a very good job getting to the point yourself, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, really... I've been checking some of your material about this, getting to the point. Eh? Sounds sounds very intriguing. I really want to hear more about that. But what also fun about you is that you have, uh, in your early career, I believe, experiencing speech competitions. So I'd really like to hear about that first. Mm -hmm. Sure. My experience with public speaking and making points began when I was in sixth grade. And here in America, and I think to some degree around the world, but I know here in America, there were competitive networks of what amounts to little kids giving speeches, giving impromptu speeches or prepared speeches in competition. And I found that world when I was a sixth grader in Texas, and I just stuck with that, maybe because I wasn't so much an athlete or talented in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so through my high school years and even through my college years, I kept with this level of competition. I got better and better. By the time I was a senior at Emerson College in Boston, I was a national champion in an event called After Dinner Speaking. And I was also ranked among the top 10 public speakers in the country on the collegiate level. And as I went through that process, I recognized some key things that helped me in competition, but more importantly, helped me as I left the world of competition. Now, I was a coach for several colleges and universities, but when I entered the professional world, I realized I was leveraging the things I had learned through competition to help me succeed at job interviews or conferences or presenting ideas at brainstorm meetings or trying to pitch something to my boss or trying to make a point to my direct reports, my own employees. And so that's where these ideas kind of crystallized. And that's when I decided I could I could coach people and institutions and companies on this. And that's the genesis of my book, Get to the Point, which only came out last year. Mm -hmm. So how many of these uh, uh, speech competition you had, can you recall? <laughs> well, uh, hundreds, really. Really? Wow. We went to, in college, we went to competitions every weekend. And what happens is just sort of like uh, the NCAA basketball here in America or in the Olympics or in the World Cup, you have qualifying rounds. You actually qualify to compete at a national tournament. I was fortunate enough to go to eight different national tournaments when I was in college. And it culminated when I was a senior in this national championship, which I'm very proud of. Now, if I look back on is really kicking off my interest in getting better and better, even as I left college. Yeah, fascinating. We are talking with a real national champion. 
<laughs> Joel, you just said that uh, Get to the Point is the name of your latest book. And also you use Get to the Point or similar phrases for your articles and trainings. Tell us why this is your focus. Right. Well, as I said, I was, I've been coaching communicators at the corporate levels or individual levels for over 10 years. And about three or four years into that practice, I realized that while I was doing all the basic things, you know, coaching people to have pauses, to use volume, to articulate, how to stand, how to gesture, I would ask them, well, what's the point of your speech? And they wouldn't know it, or they would think they'd know it. But what they would reply back with was a title or a topic or a theme or a concept or a catchphrase, but it wasn't a true point. And Oscar, the the fundamental, the most fundamental part of a successful communication is the point. If you don't have one, then you're simply rendered pointless and you're virtually useless. So when you see someone ramble, even a seasoned public speaker or a CEO, it's not because they're a bad public speaker. It's because they didn't understand what their true point was. And I really dug deep into this idea of what is a point and came up with a clear definition. Not only that, but a very simple test, a first level test to help people understand if what they think is their point is actually a true point. If you fail this simple test, then really you have to go back and reimagine until you have a very real point. And a point is an argument. It's a proposal of value. And you know that it's a real point because at the end of the day, you can judge whether you're successful or whether you had a failure based on the audience's reception of that proposition. But it needs to be very clear, very specific. So, for example, podcasting is not a point. Mm. And the importance of podcasting is not even a point. A point would be an argument like podcasting is the best way to reach mid-level managers. Or social media is an effective way to reach millennials. Now, obviously, that's something you can argue, provide evidence or reasoning for. So there you're getting much closer to an actual point versus a simple theme. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you said, what is the way to, to know if you have a point? Right. Well, the very, uh, I think, a chapter two of my book and the very first level test, which I do with all of my clients and all of my workshops, is called the I Believe That Test. And what you do is you take what you think is your point. And you simply put the words, I believe that in front of it. And then you read it out loud or you look at it on a piece of paper. And the question is, do you have a complete sentence or do you have a fragment? If you have a complete sentence, one that your grammar school teacher would approve of, <laughs> then you can move on to strengthen and sharpen that point. But if it is not, you need to go back to square one and reimagine it. So let's apply this test. Yep. You can say, I believe that podcasting, mm. or I believe that globalization, you can't even say that I believe that the importance of podcasting, or I believe that the spread of globalization, those aren't complete sentences. So you have to go back and think to yourself, well, what is the point of value that I'm trying to express? Why is globalization spreading? And what's the relevance of that? That will help you get to a point of, I believe that globalization is creating more unity amongst countries and international companies. And you could tell that's a real point because it is a jumping off point to an explanation, to evidence, to data, to reasoning, 
to an argument, like we used to say in competitive debate, a proposition of value you're making people to meet to people that will give them some reason to take action and to put value into their own lives. I believe that. No, that's one of the most important takes away. I have to remember well from this conversation with you. I believe right. that is the way to find if you have your point or point is not not really a point. And it's right. You also said that earlier that nobody wants to be uh, pointless. No, <laughs> sounds bad per se. Absolutely, and it doesn't <laughs> mean you need to say those words. I believe that it's merely a test to get you to that point. So imagine yourself at a business conference or a communication conference, and you ask someone, "What's the point of your presentation?" And they say, "Social media." They're not telling you their point. So. That's the point you want to educate yourself so that someone asks you, what's the point of your presentation? You're able to say, using social media is an effective way to reach millennials. Or Twitter is no longer the preferred social media tool of millennials. You use the I believe that test to get you to that point. And so now someone really understands the nature of your communication. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then when you, um, when you have your point, so you decide, you find your point using I believe that or some other way. Um, so what else? What is, uh, tell me some, what is your best piece of advice to, to make sure that your point is expressed in a, an effective way? What would sure. you say? One of the things I talk about is a word I made up, but I think it's useful. It's called badjectives. And badjectives are adjectives we use to do a quick assessment of something. So a badjective is great or very good mm -hmm. or even important. The problem with these words is they're so broad, they're virtually meaningless. And your audience has their own sense of important and great and very good and fantastic and awesome. So they are infusing those words with their own perspectives, which you don't want because you want to sell your point. Mm. So if you find yourself saying a point like, I believe that social media is great, or I believe that podcasting is awesome. And you'll see these in tweets all the time because we have few words to work with. Ask yourself why. Why is podcasting awesome? And then you turn your point from podcasting is awesome to podcasting helps people understand the foundational aspects of an issue or podcasting enables people to dive deep and truly understand a topic. You see how that's much more resonant mm -hmm. than podcasting is great or podcasting is important. So you want to identify those adjectives, kick them out and replace them with things of true meaning. Now, another tip I give an encouragement is what I call split ends. This is when a CEO or an executive says something like my approach will make us more effective, efficient, powerful, and successful. Hmm. That CEO is thinking, well, I'm adding more words to this, like ornaments to a Christmas tree, because I'm thinking that with each added word, I'm adding more value, right? But what's true is it's the opposite of that. When you add all these descriptors to your point, to the audience, they're each competing with each other. And the effect is they're diluting the impact of each other, because the audience has to decide not only which one of these words is more important, mm -hmm. but they need to consider each one of those. And that's very difficult for an audience. One thing we know about speakers and audiences is that the audience requires twice as long to receive an idea as it takes for the speaker to communicate it. 
So if you load them with lots of ideas at once, it really complicates their lives. What you need is to pick one of them. This approach will make us more efficient, which will allow us to save money and put it into R&D so we can open up new doors of opportunity. That's a single thought. It's easy to be heard. It's easy for it to be digested. So I encourage all my clients to try to stick to one point. Imagining that, and this is fairly true, that audiences will remember one, two, possibly three things from your presentation if they're not taking copious notes. So know for yourself, what's the one point I want them to walk away with? Now, that doesn't mean you can't have multiple points. Yes, this idea is efficient, and yes, it's effective, but separate them. Mm. So the audience can digest them one at a time. So you, you can say in, in three different phrases, that would right. be better. First, we're going to look at why this approach will make us more efficient and save us money. Then we're going to take a look at why it'll make us more effective and help us grow our toward our ultimate bottom line, make us more money, change the world, save lives, whatever that bottom line is. And by the way, it's very important to understand what your bottom line is and what's the difference between a bottom line and a midway point. So a company may say, we want to increase traffic to our website. But that's not the ultimate goal, is it? Because there's a mission behind it. Traffic to the website will mean more people will be aware of an issue and maybe take action to improve the world, to improve our environment, to buy more Coca-Cola or whatever that is. So I always encourage my, my, my students and my clients to identify the highest level value. It'll sound like something like save the world, save lives, make more money, make us more efficient. And once you identify that, you really need to explicitly say that. So I work for an organization that saves lives, but I see a lot of presentations that don't end with that. They talk about opening more offices or improving traffic to a website or hiring more people. So I encourage them to always say, if we do this right, more lives will be saved. Now, what could be more resonant and meaningful to an audience than that? Yeah, very, very good points. So... Just to recap, the first one was finding the, the why. Then you talk about the split ends. Right. So the first step would be doing that I believe that test. Let's make sure you have the basic elements of a speech. Mm -hmm. Then you apply these two tests to strengthen and sharpen it. The first is kicking out adjectives like very good, awesome, uh, yeah. uh, amazing, and inserting real words instead. And then the third part is making sure that you're not complicating your point with a lot of different ideas all at once, knowing your audience can truly only digest one thought at a time. So decide which one is the most important and the most relevant to that audience. Good. Very simple, three, 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 point, uh, three step formula, but sounds very, very useful and um, have to start applying as well. So <laughs> I would right. like to- This, this yes. forms the nucleus of your speech. If you're funny, certainly begin with a joke. If you want to begin with a story of something your six-year-old told you or something you heard on the radio that morning, by all means, begin with that to humanize yourself to your audience, to break the ice. But understand what your job is. Your job is not to be remembered as funny or interesting or charismatic or knowledgeable or even memorable. Your job is to deliver your point. In that way, you're much like a delivery person who's trying to deliver a package from point A to point B. If you make a successful delivery, then your presentation is a success. 
But if you fail to make that delivery, then you are a failure, no matter how interesting, how memorable, how funny Hmm. you are to your audience. Your goal is not to promote yourself. Your goal is to move that point. And that requires knowing for sure what that point is. Joel, could you give us uh, some more examples, if possible, from, um, yeah, real examples beyond also your your own uh, work? Sure. There have been some really good point makers recently. Mm-hmm. We've been in college commencement season. Mm-hmm. That was yes. last month in May. So a lot of famous people, a lot of notable people, a lot of newsmakers were invited onto college campuses to give speeches to audiences. And this is a great opportunity for speech makers and people who do presentations to judge those commencement speeches and see if speakers were really making their points. And one of the clearest points to me was something that was actually maybe surprising. Um, Rex Tillerson, our former Secretary of State here in the United States, spoke at the Virginia Military Institute. And this is one of the things he said in that presentation. Now, he was fired by President Trump Mm -hmm. under controversial circumstances. But Rex Tillerson told his audience, maintain and protect who you are. And remember that being a person with integrity is the most valuable asset you have. Don't ever let anyone take it from you. Now, if you put the words, I believe that in front of it, it passes that test. Mm. I believe that you should never let anyone take your integrity from you. But just see how crystallized and how clear and concise that point is. I think he did a very good job at creating a point that his audience could understand and even make use of. And not only that, but it was a fresh take on it because we don't always hear about so explicitly people talking about maintaining your integrity in a world where people can steal that integrity from you. And given Secretary Tillerson's background as someone who tried to maintain his integrity, this really has a lot of resonance. So I think he did an outstanding job uh, last month. Sometimes the best points come from surprising sources. So mm-hmm. you could do a lot of research on the web. People refer to Martin Luther King. They'll refer to sometimes to President Obama or Ronald Reagan as great orators. But I'd like to point out some of the speeches that were outside the political realm where people made outstanding points. There are only a couple of speeches transcribed in my book, but one of them is by Taylor Swift. <laughs> And in 2016, she gave a speech accepting her Grammy Award for Album of the Year. And she made an excellent point and a very clear point. She wrote or she said, there are going to be people who will try to undercut your success or take credit for your accomplishment or your fame. But if you focus on your work and don't let those people sidetrack you, someday when you get where you're going, you'll look around and you will know it was you and the people who love you who put you there. And that will be the greatest feeling in the world. Now, we can imagine a spectacular orator saying that or a former president, or someone whose job it was to maintain a stronger world or had a position of power. But this was Taylor Swift, a pop star, to be clear. But what was fascinating was she used this opportunity and used her experience as someone who faced a lot of, as she would say, haters and people who were criticizing her on social media. She used the opportunity to encourage people to be resilient and to overcome that criticism. And so that's why I chose that speech versus some of the many historical speeches we could point to as a great example of a very clear, concise, and singular point. Yeah, it's a very good one. I had uh, read about that 
Yes, it's. I agree. It's it's a great example and very contemporary, and it's as you said, out of politics of the or even business that are the typical examples that we find. So, what would be your your best uh, point of of this uh, last month is Rex Tillerson. I think Rex Tillerson made the most crystallized speech. I also think Justin Trudeau, who spoke at New York University, spoke of the importance of respecting and tolerating each other. And again, that was a, sig a singular point. Ronan Farrow spoke at Loyola Marymount University. He talked about sticking to your principles. And when you do, more people will do the right thing. And sometimes our favorite speaker here in America, Oprah Winfrey, talked about how People, future journalists, she spoke at the USC Annenberg School for Communications and Journalism. She talked about how these future journalists are uniquely able to defend truth and tell vital stories. But you know what, Oscar? I think one of my other favorites, besides Rick Tillerson, was Senator Jeff Flake. Now, Senator Jeff Flake is a retiring Republican senator here, and he's been unique for criticizing President Trump, even though President Trump is a member of his own party. And Senator Flake spoke at Harvard Law School. And he said, if you find yourself in a herd, crane your neck, look back there and check out your brain and ask yourself as if, it if it really suits you. From personal experience, I can say it's never too late to leave the herd. And what Flake was basically saying was that you should resist following a herd blindly and that will result in more fulfillment and success. So he was combining his personal experience sort of not following the path of his party and speaking to his true identity and encouraging his audience to do the same. Now, he could have talked about a million different things. He could have gone through a laundry list. He could have talked about the state of the world. He is a U.S. senator with a lot of experience, but he chose this one specific thing. Don't follow the herd and see how this fits the I believe that test. I believe that you should not follow the herd. I believe that you should identify your own path. And that's one of the reasons I chose that speech in particular as well as a great example of a crystallized and effective point that truly has impact. Such a great example, all, all of them. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Joel. I will, I will put on the show notes of this episode also for people to, to see it. Uh, I know some of those are on your blog, I believe, so I, I will link from there. Yeah, this is a blog I just came out with. I'll share it with you, Oscar, so you Fantastic. can share it with your audience. Excellent, thanks. Joel, what is your favorite quotation? My favorite quotation, it probably comes from Robert Kennedy. And because it's a very clear and crystallized point in something I believe in. And he said that, I believe that as long as there is plenty, poverty is evil. And he was using very stark terms. He did say poverty is bad or poverty is something we want to alleviate. He went there and said poverty is evil as long as there is plenty and abundance. And he was criticizing our consumer and capitalistic system in which somehow we could still tolerate poverty. And that was, let's see, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, less than 15 words. And yet it has tremendous impact, spoke to his values and spoke to the values that we should have as a civilization, not just in America, but in the world. Yeah, it's, it's a very good uh, quotation. Uh, and by the way, that quotation actually begins with the three words, I believe that, 
Oh. Throughout the book, I found quotations where people actually began their quotations, whether it was Martin Luther King or Alvin Ailey or Robert Kennedy, Eleanor Roosevelt, Helen Keller. They all, some of their most famous quotations actually begin with the words, I believe that. Now, that's not where I got my idea for the I believe that test. I developed that independently. But I feel very affirmed that some of the most resonant quotations in our history and in world history actually begin with those words. And I think it's no coincidence. <laughs> yeah, no coincidence at all. <laughs> Joel, could you now sh uh, share with us one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? Sure, I could name a book. And it's a book many of, many people in your audience have heard of and you have heard of. But I'm going to mention it anyway because I think it's mm -hmm. very influential. It's Start With Why by mm -hmm. Simon Sinek. And what Simon does is something that I subscribe to and I coach my clients, which is basically to move away from book reports. Often we're describing something, but we're not selling it. And Simon really gets to the difference by using the word why. A book report will tell us what. But the real relevance of the point you're trying to make is in why. And he gives a lot of great examples of people who elevated their speeches by thinking about the why and inserting the why explicitly into their points. Now, I use the word why throughout in my book and I reference Simon, but I often talk about it as the difference between sharing and selling. When you're sharing something, you're just giving information and you're making the audience have the burden of attaching relevance to it. But when you're selling, you're actually articulating that very relevance. And a metaphor I like to use is in a book. Imagine the difference between the book's table of contents and the blurb in the inside cover. The table of contents is describing the contents of the book, mm -hmm. but the blurb is actually selling the mm. book. And time and time and again with my clients, I find them describing their product or describing their services, but they never say, If you buy my product or if you work with me and use my services, you will be more successful. Those words I never hear. All I hear is the description of the inventory. And so that's what I'm trying to coach people to. And I think that's one of the things Simon is trying to get at with Start With Why. Yeah, Simon Sinek is a, is a great example of someone who who went to the point with this very first book uh, that made him famous, you know, Start With right. Why, very well articulated. And yeah, it's very consistent with everything you have been telling us today. Mm -hmm. And it's a very revolutionary idea because at least in America, when we're students, we've been inclined to or taught to write essays that describe the similarities and difference between this or that, or a biography of this person, or a description of something. Unfortunately, students at a young age are not taught to make arguments. They're taught to write descriptions, descriptive text, expository. So one thing I'd love to see is teachers starting much earlier with their students and teaching them to make arguments and defend those arguments. Imagine a world in which our young people came into it and grew up making arguments, expressing points, making their voices heard, and as a result, making a difference. I couldn't agree more with you, <laughs> Joel. That would make a really much, uh, much more educated uh, youth and ready to uh, to to present any great ideas that everybody has, no, from very early age. Joel, could you finally share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend us doing daily or weekly? 
a routine to shine. Right. Well, I'm going to go back to the I believe that test because there's something about it that many people don't realize. They think that the only time when you make a point is if you're at a conference. You know, you're on a stage, you're at a podium, and you're speaking to 500 or 5,000 people, or you're a CEO. But Oscar, the thing is, you're making a point all the time, whether your audience is three or 300. Tomorrow morning, many of your listeners are going to go into a meeting with an idea. And the question I have to them is, are you going to make a point or are you going to share that idea, hoping people will subscribe to it? I would suggest to them, use the I believe that test. Look for adjectives. Look for these split ends, too many concepts. Write it down and make a point. Because what I've found is that communicators who make points have the greatest likelihood of having those points have impact. So whenever you have a meeting, whether it's with your direct reports, with your supervisors, with vendors, with partners, with clients, take a moment ahead of time. Use these tests and exercises and encouragement and try to develop your ideas into points. So you're making strong proposals, not just spinning words, sharing ideas and hoping for the best. Yeah, to make it a routine, to to make a point of everything you want to say. Make it right. a routine. <laughs> Even if it's to your children or your mother-in-law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're constantly making points, and we rely on the success of those points for our own success. So let's not leave it to chance. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joel, for these uh, very interesting ideas and uh, helping us to get to the point No, in every situation, as we just, just said. Finally, please tell us how we can learn more about you, about your work you are doing. What are the best ways for that? Sure, Oscar. The best way to find my materials, learn about the book, see the articles that I've written, as well as see some feedback on my workshop and reviews of the book is to go to www.joelschwartzberg.net. And I'll spell that out. That's www.joel. S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z-B-E-R-G dot net. You could also find me on Twitter as the Joel Truth at the Joel Truth. Uh, there you could also get in touch with me and I'm happy to take questions or observations. I want to keep this dialogue going because my goal at the end of the day is to help people be the best champions of their own points. So whether that's through my articles, my book or my workshops, that's what really fulfills me at the end of the day. A champion that wants to make more champions. <laughs> right. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joel. A pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you, Oscar. This was very fun. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time... 